This is Ellie Cornell, and you're listening to the Midwest Monsters Podcast. Gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Midwest Monsters Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner, and I'm joined by... The confused Professor Wagstaff. <laughs> Venomous Vinny. Hot toddy. Good to be with you again, friends, as we engage in another episode of the Monster Mash. You know the format. We each pick a movie, we force the other ones to watch it, and then we talk about them. So, uh, my name is Grizzly Abner, and I chose a film called Black Sheep, not the one with Chris Farley. That's the one I watched. <laughs> I am Professor Wagstaff. I picked Event Horizon. Mm. Venomous Vinny, I picked The Girl with All the Gifts. Huh. <laughs> and I'm Hot Toddy. I picked Prison. All right. Well, let's get things started, Hot Toddy. What are we knocking out first? All right. So we're going to start with my pick, which is Prison, uh, 1987, directed by Rennie Harlan. Uh, written by Irvin Yablins, uh, that you would probably know from the Halloween uh, original trilogy. Um, cast is Vigo Mortson, Chelsea Field, Lane Smith, uh, Tom Everett, Ivan Kane, Tiny Lister Jr., Mickey Yablins, also from Halloween, and uh, Kane Hodder. And I'm not sure if this is the last movie or not, but it was an Empire Picture, uh, and it actually got delayed to 87 because uh, Empire Pictures had filed for bankruptcy. Which directly uh, links to Richard Band did the music. Yeah. And uh, John Carl Buechler, special effects. And the, uh, the, uh, the writer of the film, if you look at his listing, it's like tons of full moon pictures. So. Yeah. Um. Anytime Lane Smith pops up in a movie, all I see is the dad from Son-in-Law with Polly Shore. <laughs> I more fondly My remembered cousin. him as Perry White from the Lois and Clark New Adventures of Superman television series in the 90s. There you go. He's my cousin Benny for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the female actress remind me of her name. Chelsea Field. Yeah. I, I was like, where do I know her from? Where do I know She's her from? a lot of stuff. Masters of the Universe. Yeah. I just watched that about six months ago. That's How'd that go? Oh, still as good as when I was a kid. Oh, so not good. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's a uh, it's a Canon Films movie, so it's it's crazy boogaloo stuff. It's awesome. Um, all right, so the synopsis, or do we want to do first impressions? Yeah, history first impressions. Did please. I introduce <laughs> everybody? <laughs> Did we do introduce? I'm viewing uh, for me, and uh, yeah, it was the first time viewing for me. Not everybody likes good movies. You know? <laughs> uh, I'll just say we'll get into them, but I, uh, it, it, my mother taught me if you have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. So I will say that this film had some really cool kills. The kills were a lot of fun. It doesn't have hillbillies in it, so I get it. <laughs> well, a few of the inmates were hillbillies. 
this was my second viewing initially when Screen Factory had put it out. I checked it out. Um, so yeah, just uh, this was the first revisit for me for the podcast. This is the first time that I had seen this movie. All right, let's is jump that, in. Is that, is that it? <laughs> uh, I remember uh, when it came out on video, and somehow I never watched it. I, my first viewing was when Scream first put it out. Um, I was always familiar with the film because of um, Beekler and uh, Rennie Harlan. I think Rennie Harlan did this movie right before Nightmare on Elm Street 4. Um, and then, like, uh, I don't think I knew that Vigo was uh, in, in the movie until I actually watched it, but I just remember it was always talked about because Kane doing the stunts and, and Beekler and Rennie Harlan. So, yeah. I had, I had certainly heard of it, but I think I had heard of it because of. Uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street documentary, Never Sleep Again. Mm. That's why I even knew it exists. Yeah. Uh, okay. Brief synopsis. Hot toddy. Vigo Mortensen is in his underwear in a prison. <laughs> <laughs> I knew immediately. Unlike, unlike when he is <laughs> naked <laughs> in Eastern Promises. The only movie I ever gave to a rental store. <laughs> uh, so uh, so uh, previously, I uh, kind of started the movie. We see uh, we see a man put to uh, the electric chair. Um, POV style. Yep. Goes uh, so many years later. Uh, they want to reopen the prison. Um, the warden uh, is associated with the previous prison. Uh, as we find out, he's also tied in with uh, the man that was uh, electrocuted. And I really, for some reason, can't remember why he wants uh, that room dug out, but he wants mm. the uh, chamber reopened. When they reopen the chamber, it unleashes the spirit of the uh, of the electrocuted man, like it, like they do. You know what I mean? Oh, always, always. And uh, I will say the 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 weird thing, I guess, is uh, there's always a trend with uh, Hollywood films. Is uh, the point that this came out was apparently executed uh, prisoners coming back from their grave were uh, really popular because horror show and shocker. I want to say a couple other movies came out right around all at the same time. This is like our discussion back when we watched um, Deep Star Six and like Leviathan came. Yeah, out. it was like undersea horror was all the rage. And a, a, Which uh, dead, dead prisoner horror? What's the one? Uh, what's the one movie where it's like a? It's like Alcatraz, like Shock Shocktober. I can't even think of the name of it. But this and uh, Prison probably were done first, and then. Uh, you know, which uh, at also this is the time period where every horror movie was like, we have the next Freddy or the next Jason. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I'm just going to steal everybody's uh, thunder here and say, blue lightning. <laughs> this, this I do love the course. I do love the blue lightning. Oh, who doesn't? I think man, maybe our next shirt should just say blue lightning. If, if <laughs> I made it, if you gave me a picture of that. If you gave yeah. me a $100 million budget to make a movie today, it's going to have blue lightning. <laughs> uh, that, this is a challenge to all our listeners. If you want to make us a new logo with blue <laughs> lightning, we would be very thrilled. By yes. That. Not that we don't love our current logo. Shout yes. out to my cousin, Brandon. Uh, You'll be able to pick those up. I'll be selling them out of a van in front of Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Do you remember the old like uh, redneck shirts that were like oh, yeah. blue That's lightning? Oh, yeah. White, white, white lightning shirts. Get, Ooh, get your shirt wolves. today. And get you a wolf rug. bright. <laughs> Maybe we just need a shirt with blue lightning all over it and our logo in the middle. 
<laughs> what yeah. if the blue lightning coming out of the corners made up all of the roads on the map of Indiana? Yeah. Ooh, I'm turning my head like Eileen Wernos right now. <laughs> I love how excited we all get for blue lightning. <laughs> so, yeah, when they bust open the old chamber, the blue lightning gets out, and that's the cat's out of the bag. And that's it for my notes. So are we jumping into the finish of this or just thoughts on the movie? <laughs> let's, uh, let's just get into the film. So clearly no one likes it. Let's get into the movie. I mean, what, what else? I feel like if I start talking about a synopsis or anything. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to run too fast. I'm going to. If we're not just done. Just go on. I, I'm going to end up. I think we said enough about the film. I mean, yeah. Yeah, go ahead and talk about what you liked or disliked about it. Uh, the, again, the kills were great. There were a lot of good practical effects in it. I yeah. enjoyed that end of it. Um of course, there was voodoo in it because it's the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> Why wouldn't there be voodoo? The voodoo uh, the I voodoo will say so that I think that I may have a slightly different opinion of this movie had I not watched it via YouTube and not good quality YouTube. Um, I think that might have made a like difference. feel like a prisoner. A little bit. <laughs> I, uh, I, I like the guy. I like the guy drinking Lysol. <laughs> Been there, buddy. That's a good touch. <laughs> and what they call one guy lasagna, the Italian guy. Yeah. But uh, all in all, in all uh, at what I didn't hate this movie, but at the end of the day, I can't see myself putting this in again down the road to revisit it. But I do like the fact that it is one of those early works of people who had done later things. I Sometimes I like to see that. I like to see where a person came from and their previous work. So I get, I get that out of this movie. But all in all, uh, I think it was kind of a, I'd say, I'd call it mediocre. Like, I didn't think it was bad, but I didn't love it. It was, as I like to say, it was serviceable. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I think the, as I said earlier, the kills were great. Um you know, so the story once this evil spirit gets out, and uh, we've got the the former warden who's having nightmares of being killed because you know, as we find out, he was at that last execution that took place there. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I it's interesting. I wonder why so many of these dead inmate <laughs> stories came out because they're just kind of unrelatable. I mean, how many? horror fans have been to prison, you know, to the outside observer, they probably think all of us have been to prison, but like, you know, like the, the I think there are parts of the story. It's like, why were there so many of these? Were, because, the, were there famous true crime cases where people were being executed at that time? You know, uh, I, I feel like that, that's, Bundy. that's kind of what, where right, my head was that. Like, yeah. It was two years after this. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think there was probably a lot of like, uh, like a lot of big Gacy and Bundy and, and so people are like, oh, they're going to come back. Yeah, yeah. make a boogie that's, real that's a, Yeah, man. like a boogeyman. That's a fair point. I will, uh, like, uh, for this viewing, I, I uh, was just looking at some of the details, and I guess, like, the early script was that the, the killer would be a slasher instead of more of a ghost. So I think they're trying to do a different take, but um, I think this movie's kind of like a little gem. It's, it's not the greatest movie. It's not bad at all. It's definitely worth watching. It's got a great cast. They film in a real prison. Um, I think Wyoming. Yeah, you see like a tower up behind it at one point. Yeah, um, a lot of the stuff that's in the movie, like uh, like where he's going through and um, all the water is actually coming out, like that really was going on because of the temperature of the prison and um, there's a lot of creepiness. But I will say that there is, it, it does feel like there's a like there was going to be maybe a more of an epic thing with with his return and stuff. 
Yeah. That was a little lacking. I, I feel like touching on what you're saying, and it, it kind of clarified this in my mind. I think part of this movie, to me, feels like a puzzle that all the pieces are there, but they just don't fit together quite right. I, I don't think it ever. Yeah. There's a lot going on. It's almost like a season of American Horror Story. There's a lot going on, and I don't feel like it ever ties together completely by the end. And of and, sure. and maybe part of it too is uh, you know again like this this was filmed during the bankruptcy of Empire Pictures. Uh, maybe this is one of those movies that's like, well, we were going to have uh, Kane Hodder come out at the end, and we just can't afford it. So slap it. Uh, because there's a there's there's great stunts. There's a lot of great things about this movie, but yeah, there's it does it, when you watch well, it completely. There it always feels like there's something that's. It's missing. also got yeah. this other thing playing with Vigo's character, where he looks just like this other previous. That's inmate. my biggest. Like, which which he complaint. yeah he he played so he play also played yeah you know, when they executed him and then Kane Hodder played like uh like for the stunts. Yeah, and I just don't. I, that never. It was so unnecessary, and yeah. I think distracting. I do love the uh, the other crazy brother from Leatherface. Uh, I can't think of his name right now, but like the in Leatherface, he was always the one that was cussing and throwing things in the in the swamp because both him and uh, Vigo are both uh, from Leatherface. But was he the one running the the tow truck? Yeah, yeah, that brother. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even realize the that. Leatherface in the timeline of nineteen ninety. Oh, the one wearing the big uh, <laughs> the bear, bear head. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Not the shit leather face, the good leather oh, face. Oh, don't get him all worked All out. right, all right. I'm done, I quit. <laughs> uh, with this, I'll say right up front, I wouldn't recommend this to everyone, but if you are interested in digging your claws into 80s horror, this is a marriage of all kinds of talent. So even if you don't enjoy the film, there's a lot of interesting elements going on on who's making it. Um, which we listed off at the beginning, so I won't spend time going through all that. But, I mean, the, the writing, the, the cast, all that. There's enough there to warrant at least visiting it. My problem with this film is that it is a roller coaster that never goes down. <laughs> it takes you all the way to the top and then goes, uh... It's a it's a venture, it's, climb off now. It's a it's a, a it's a venture express. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say the metaphor I was gonna use. This was like the party that you go to where there were some cool stuff, but you still couldn't wait to leave. Right? Yeah. <laughs> You're so, like, oh, that's pretty cool. Are we leaving? And to kind of paint a picture, uh, you know, for listeners who may check it out, uh, there's a lot of stuff leading up to it that inch gets you instantly involved. So when you pop this on, you are like, I don't know what they're talking about. This is pretty entertaining. Because you have all of the, the common tropes of prison movies, which are always just very, very fascinating. Um, even down to the archetypes that we have there. You have the old, uh, wise black man before uh, Red existed. Shawshank ripped this movie yeah, off, by the way. Had, we, you know, you just <laughs> have the, remake of the, the big <laughs> rip dude. You have the kind of biker bully. Yeah. You have his cute little boyfriend, uh, basically against his will. Um, and you I have the, him his bitch, yeah, his prison <laughs> bitch. Hold my pocket. Um, and then you have obviously your clean cut white guy that it's your leading man and maybe going to save the day. But so right off the bat, you have that to lean on because prison movies by and large are just entertaining. And so that kind of carries it through as we sprinkle in these other ideas, the POV opening gets you right from the jump. You're like, okay. I'm on board. This looks cool. Okay. And so we've okay. got, okay. wait, I'm Leo Getz, son <laughs> of a bitch. Um, and so all of these things keep sprinkling in 
to where you really think it's headed to somewhere special. Uh, we allude to uh, Vigo's character being possibly a, a reincarnation by looking the same, and then it's never mentioned again. That drove me nuts. Uh, yep. We keep detracting. Okay, so I didn't miss something. No. No. <laughs> okay. No. And that's why it's kind of difficult to talk about, you know, what happens in this film because it, it kind of just goes sloppy uh, in the third act. And, and we have um, Chelsea Field. I can't remember her character's name, but she's basically the exposition. And she is just a stick in the mud. Every time we have a decent scene of dialogue, we turn to her and go nowhere with it. Yeah. She doesn't need to be in the film. Um, and so you have these things that are working really for the film, but then you also have things that are working against it. And ultimately, it just doesn't go anywhere. And that is, that's the problem with it. That there's still enough merit in this that I won't just dismiss it and tell people to skip it. But I think that's a huge deal. I mean, because it really gets you pumped leading up to that. And then it kind of just shits the bed. It becomes very pedestrian and almost incoherent with where we head with it. I agree. And, and this is where it plays in with kind of the academic side and, and the people who are involved with it. If you're interested in who the writer or the director is, that makes this all the more inexcusable. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's its biggest problem with it. Um, it. The kills alone, watch it. I mean yeah. – we have covered so many movies that are so much worse than oh, this. Oh, big time. Uh, so I'm not trying to paint it like this is some abysmal movie, but I get very frustrated with it because even in the – I felt this way the first time, and then when we revisited that first half, I was on board all over again. I'd forgotten. and then It, it just never just, comes together. Yeah. It's like they just pushed me down the last three steps. <laughs> I think uh, I think I can't dis disagree with anything you said. I think for me the funnest thing is, uh, number one, it probably is what uh, – I don't know. To me, I love Nightmare 4. It's one of my favorites. So early on in the film, there's like a lot of like, like almost like a lot of Nightmare 3-ish type stuff, like uh, where the room is catching on fire, uh, the boiler is like kicking on. And um, I feel like it, as weird as it sounds, though, like watching this movie, it's like the next two films, I think, was um, Nightmare 4 and then Die Hard 2 and then Cliffhanger, which is also funny. There's a lot of Stallone uh, Posters and stuff in the prison. I think all the posters. Yeah, that was a little weird. I think all the that posters. Guy's obsession with Sylvester Stallone. Well, I think all the posters were uh, if it, like uh, Irvin Yablin produced films. Uh, mm. But yeah, there's a plus. The dude was kind of like a the broke down '80s Stallone. Uh, but I think I think it's it's a fun movie. But I can't disagree that that when you finish the movie, you're like. Uh, like kind of like Abner said, like, did I miss something? Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, um, you feel like you fell asleep, but you didn't cause you're like, what? I, <laughs> I see to me, that's what makes it feel like an Italian horror movie. <laughs> you know, the game, that's the, how I feel when I watch Italian horror, you know, the, game at the fair where you squirt the water at the target and the horses race down the track. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like the horses keep going down the track, but then everyone just at the end misses and the horses <laughs> never finish the race. I, I, I would definitely recommend They're like, go home kid. It, it's, it's worth checking out. I, uh, this is a movie that I think. For as many movies that they like to remake from the '80s and '90s, this would probably be a good remake to actually like do it well. Yeah, oh, yeah, the concept of it could be wild. Yeah, it has a good concept, and this never got to it. I, I would say the strongest movie, uh, the people involved in the movie are the strongest things for the film. So, yeah, great acting, great, great effects. We all love the blue lightning, <laughs> and it's done well in this movie. Yep. And is that finally Kane Hodder at the end that pops up? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. Cool. All right. 
He had some story about, was it worms in his mouth that he always tells for that, that they didn't put in there? Was that this movie? Yeah. Uh, okay, then, yeah, that is the story. Yeah, he. they were like, oh, we'll, we'll just do some like fake ones, or we'll do something like that. He's like, no, no, no. Give me a mouthful <laughs> Who of Who did that? Kane Hodder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure it's this. Grace yeah. Kane. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, prison. Uh, well, we th- th- going from prison, what do we think of but sheep? So, Black Sheep, uh, 2006, which is... Vote for Donnelly. Sorry, it's going to happen a bunch. Just yeah. get used to it. Not the... Uh, apparently, there's a 2018 Black Sheep, because that's all I could find, or the uh, Chris Farley. Uh, so I noticed there was another one that came out the same year as this called Black Sheep in another what? country. Yeah, so, um, you know, hillbillies love their sheep. This but, is a New Zealand horror. It is. Yes. So, uh, Black Sheep 2006, written and directed by Jonathan King. Um, there's really not any big stars that I know about, like Matthew Chamberlain, uh, Nathan, Nathan Meister, Daniel Mason, Peter Feeney, Oliver Driver. It, it was made in New Zealand. And the strongest thing for the film is it was uh, special effects was the Weta Workshop. Yeah. Yeah, Weta Workshops that did. Weta, Weta. I don't know. Maybe it is Weta. You need a medical supply. Tomato, Whatever. tomato. Um, yeah, so I, I think that's what drew me to the film. I heard about it being made, and um, when I saw that the workshop was doing the special effects. Did they ever do anything else other than this movie? Will you? <laughs> Being sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, there's, Get a couple, out. there's a few films. <laughs> Little things called Lord of the Rings or something. I think yeah. they did Lord of the Bling with Jay-Z and <laughs> Lil' Kim. <laughs> But, uh, so, I, this is, I don't know, this is somewhere around my 10th viewing of this film. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> uh, because it just, it really hit for me when it came out, and uh. I wondered if it, it would hold up, because I hadn't watched it in years, and it still held up for me. So this is, I think this is just a fun, fun movie, and I hope it gets the Blu-ray treatment someday. <laughs> oh, oh, wait, oh, no. <laughs> Blu-ray treatment? How about, like, make the movie accessible? You guys gripe about my films? I had to watch this shit on YouTube with slime vision background, <laughs> and then somebody put, like, a uh, like a 3 by 5 block of the film that cuts off at the end. Been there, buddy. Been because there. I, I'm only assuming because it's a Weinstein film, and it also came out during the time uh, that they were like, we love movies so much, let's sell it only to Blockbuster. This was part of the Dimension Extreme. Uh, yeah, releases so garbage. The video story worked. We uh, went to the store and we bought the shit and put it into <laughs> rental. Fuck you, Weinstein. Oh man, I just choked on whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm like when Eddie Murphy gets the wind knocked out of him in Beverly Hills Cop Three. <laughs> so while they're still struggling, what was your your first impression Ooh. of the film? So so here's the fucked up thing. I owned this movie for 15 years. However long this shit's been out, I owned it on DVD. Never watched it. I was interested in it. Just never got around to it. I guess like purging my DVDs that went with it. No longer on the film, of course. I love that you probably paid 25 bucks for this. Never watched it, sold it, and got stuck watching it. I bought it it used because uh, I don't need to buy it new. Uh, I agree with like what Vinny said about prison. Had I watched maybe, I don't know, a better cut of the film, I thought it was okay. Okay. Um, that, that's fair. You know, more than fair. it's everything I expected. Uh, it's weird that New Zealand apparently has hillbillies too. Because, uh, you know, you got the guy that's fucking the sheep. Hillbilly and, pride going worldwide, uh, baby. You know, 
I could definitely see why Abner loves this film. <laughs> I guess uh, prison was too woke for him. So, <laughs> and I'm passing pass it on. Woo! Woo! All right. It, I, I will say it is a, it is a fun movie. Uh, don't take it as anything serious, and it's enjoyable. Woo! Uh, first time view. I got to watch a real copy that was Abner's. <laughs> it is exactly what I expected from it. <laughs> so I wasn't the least bit mad at it for what it was. Uh, got a, got a bit intoxicated and watched it. <laughs> Laughed. Uh, also was impressed by the visual effects. Yep. Well, the effects are the strongest. And thing. at the end of it, I was like, I would probably, <laughs> I can see myself being like, you've never seen Black Sheep? Let's watch it. And watching it to watch somebody else's reaction. <laughs> yeah. I, I, will, I will say watching the film, it was, uh, if I had to describe it to somebody, I would say it's um, uh, Dead Alive with Sheep. That's fair. Which Dead Alive is also a fun film, so. Yeah. Professor, did you watch this one? Uh, yeah, I, I actually did get on top of this one. Um, I had seen this before with Grizz uh, years ago at his place. I used to always make people watch it. Um, <laughs> so this was a second time viewing. Um, I, you know, it's it, it's exactly what you think it's yep. going to be. Um, so they are who we thought they were. I, to its credit, that's already a, a leg up on quite a few movies we cover on here. So, yep. I mean, I it's not anything that I would watch 10 times like the Grizz has, but, <laughs> but you like I, what you like, <laughs> but it, it, it's entertaining. I mean, and they, there's no, there's no bullshit. They're not trying to sell you on something and pulling another. I mean, it like ends, they let you know from the beginning what you're seeing. Yeah, this they movie deliver. ends on a dick and fart joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which in all fairness is a little out of character for Grizz. Usually he'd be the one rolling his eyes at that shit, but no, no, I he mean, does like Kevin Smith. I was gonna say, I'm glad you think I'm more highbrow. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll, uh, but we'll go more into it. But yeah, just my initial thoughts was, I had a good time the first time I watched it. I had a good time on the revisit. It's not something I'm gonna put on once a year, but yeah, it's a good time and one that's good to cover because this may not be well known yeah. for some people. Um, and mm. if nothing else, they want to seek it out for special effects. Where was this on the horror comedy episode? That's a good point. Yeah, um, we have like 35 minutes we could have filled. This could have come up. <laughs> maybe if we'd have done some prep for that one. <laughs> um, so just the premise, you know, you've got this guy. He's going home. He's, it's in New Zealand, and in New Zealand there are more sheep than people. And um, that's proven fact, by the way. Um, this, this guy's going home. Wrong. And, uh, <laughs> you know, his father has passed away. He's going to you know, sign off his share of the farm so that his brother can sell it or do whatever he's going to do with it. His brother's kind of like a, an evil CEO of a corporation that raises sheep. And we find out they're doing genetic testing. Just like to Donald the Trump. <laughs> yes. Very, very <laughs> Trump family esque. Um, and, uh, well, we get into the shenanigans of what's going on with these genetically modified sheep. You've got uh, you've got some activists who are coming in. You know the the woke now, people. Who now, are now the to... little brother though, like the older brother, scared the little brother with uh by killing a sheep and wearing it. Right? Was it a sheep or his dog? It was a sheep. Yeah, it was, oh, it was a, a sheep. sheep. It was like his, his God, his dog. Sheep. What movie did you watch, sicko? <laughs> uh, well, Carrie and I were. <laughs> These are home about movies. It. Carrie was like, if, if he kills the dog, I'm out. 
and I was like, I think he killed his pet sheep. It was the one that was like chained up out. Well, there. he made a yeah, point was, to do the sheep rhyme, so I'm sheep. pretty sure it wasn't the dog. See, okay, thank you. So I thought it was a sheep as well, and uh, yeah. So his brother's a real jerk, and you know their dad. Look what you did, you stupid jerk. <laughs> and um, these activists show up that are going to protest the, uh, the the way the sheep are being treated, and they're they're kind of their own comedy duo, which is pretty funny. They get separated. The one gets attacked by this little mutant baby sheep. <laughs> <laughs> and Mark under things I never thought I'd say out loud. Little mutant baby sheep. Little um, baby looking thing. Little baby looking thing. And so uh, some hilarity ensues from there. So, and, 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 and folks, we're leading up to massive amounts of killer sheep. All right. <laughs> yeah. That's what this film is I, about. I'll, so I don't want to withhold that information. And so now I just want to hear everybody's perspectives. Something highlights uh, of the film. I highly enjoyed was uh, that my dad came in. I'm assuming that he was stoned. Uh, sits down to start watching it, and it's just like, "What is this?" Uh, he really enjoyed it. Uh, I want to say though, uh, I'm just going to cut to it before somebody spoils it. But my favorite scene is the American Werewolf transformation. Oh, oh yeah. the transformation is <laughs> great. Of uh, so instead of werewolf, we uh, have a man turning into a sheep. Which I was disappointed that when he stood up, it wasn't Goat Boy from Saturday Night Live. <laughs> we have a wear sheep. <laughs> Other highlights, things in the film that you liked, you'd like to discuss. Uh, truck crash was awesome. Yeah, I, I don't have a lot of specifics on this. It's just <laughs> the thing is, is the the thing that I always hold on to from this film is the transformation. Because mm-hmm. that's where you really go, okay, this isn't people just taking my money. This is right. awesome. And I think that's what makes this movie a little bit more special than countless others. Well, we we, all, we whatever... all love a movie that's absurd, like Troll 2, mm-hmm. but unintentionally. Yeah. Whereas oh, this one, it's totally intentional, and that's the fun. I one of my, my note that I put in there is I said, this movie lingers somewhere between Sharknado and Shaun of the Dead. Yes, because I would agree with even that. though it was outrageous, it wasn't trying to be stupid. It's not a stupid movie. No. It's ridiculous, yes. but it's smart. Yeah, I, it's a developed script. We I, have yeah. concepts where things fit and service the story to give us the fun stuff. I, I was going to say, I would say, especially being from the location and, and the special effects, I feel like everybody probably idolized Peter Jackson because it's definitely, it's it's a huge, uh, it, it, it pokes fun of itself, but it's not a silly movie. Uh, it's silly, but not like uh, Sharknado silly. Uh, but uh, similar again to Dead Alive yeah. or uh, Brain Dead, depending on how you know the film. But uh, even uh, the hello, uh, the airplane. I'm like, is this like a throwback to the lawnmower? Yeah. Um, I feel like a lot of throwbacks. And, and again, the the kills are fun. The effects are, are are typically for any other movie, probably with the same budget. It would just be a garbage film, but but the effects and everything make make the movie. So, uh, I'm just going to ramble off some of my notes here. Some of the high spots. I love that part where the the activist has the gun and she's pointing it at them and you know starting to demand them around. And he's like, "Oh, the, the safety's yeah. on. The the safety, no, it's there. The safety is on." And he goes, "You know what? Just give it to me." And he she hands him the gun and he turns the safety off and he's like, "Here you go." Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And that's the difference, because if that was an American comedy, it would have been overt, foul mouth, like, yeah, fucking right. <laughs> yeah. You know I, mean? I loved how he just went, just the idea of, yeah, no, you're not taking this. <laughs> it's so casual. Yeah, right. Loved it. 
And when the, the sheep's attacking them in the truck and they, they punch the sheep and it just shakes it <laughs> off and just keeps going after them. And uh, what, how about the two, is it tunes the cat? The little sheep driving tunes. <laughs> I like that. The, uh, the activist, as he's slowly turning into the were sheep, he bites the other brother. <laughs> and the, the, we find out that the farmhand uh, has been bitten. <laughs> when they take his boot off, his foot is turned into a sheep's hoof. <laughs> <laughs> I love that too because that reveal lets you know, like, okay, we're not pulling no punches. We're we're going all in on this. Yeah. This is going to be fun. That's oh, when you find out there's a cure, right? There's yeah. a cure for it. But the one dude, it's big. <laughs> he says, "You bastard." <laughs> <laughs> oh, so much fun! This is stuff. where Grizz laughs until yeah. we're done recording. Yeah. <laughs> the joy on his face right now. <laughs> uh, what about that? That massacre at the press conference when you just see the sheep rolling over the hill like thunder <laughs> going out to eat all of them and uh oh yeah so what's the uh what's the big ending gary Busey shows up and from a trailer and <laughs> <laughs> the sheep part that sets everything on fire yep i love the build up to that that, they, that that was actually a build up to the storyline as they mentioned that their farts are uh propane <laughs> right Right, so sheep and, and, and people don't know this in real life, like true story, uh, sheep gas and cattle, I mean, and a uh, cow gas are tearing up the atmosphere. Yeah, that's why we have our environmentalists at the beginning of the movie. Right, right. So, um, oh, and we kind of set the table uh, for not being above things when we see that the brother is rather fond of his sheep. <laughs> that, was, that was my note. I was trying to go, oh, sheep effort. Oh, sheep pucker. That's what he's doing. Yes. Yes. The brother is very fond of sheep. And, uh, All kinds of experiments. You get the, the great propeller kill with the airplane. and uh, Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. So it's fun. There's an antidote. All is well at the end. But uh, yeah, it definitely ends on a sheep fart joke. <laughs> I do like. Uh, um, do, they, do they call it mountain oysters in the film? Uh, yeah, mountain oysters. So and she takes don't. a bite, which is, of course, the the testicles. Mm-hmm. Of the, which is a thing. People eat them. Yep, they sure do. And they are called mountain oysters. Them and pigs ball. Yeah. <laughs> Where do we go from here? Well, <laughs> only help. Uh, Ab- I'm sure Abner has a bunch in his fridge right now. <laughs> <laughs> don't I wish? Uh, so that's black sheep. If you are a fan of silly horror, horror comedy, yeah, if you like horror comedy, that's uh, that's smart. Um, but still ridiculous. Smart. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I, I I have to recommend this movie. I would recommend it, especially for anyone who likes horror comedies. Especially with no one's talking about this one, and even if it's not top shelf, more people should know it. It's, it's, yeah, get, it's get, get on, I know so many people get on like your favorite movie. buzz and watch this movie. Yeah, I know so many people like this movie, but it's nowhere. Like it's never talked. About. I, I I think uh, again. I think the biggest thing is that. It was put out, and it was put out to a time where they're like only the blockbuster, and now it's similar to a lot of the other like Black Christmas remake. Like they're really hard to find. If you can find them, they're expensive DVDs. Yeah. Um, hopefully, you know, I feel like the Weinstein hurt films more than they helped it. So hopefully, uh, with uh, the stuff going down, it gets put to somebody else, and maybe uh, Scream or or Arrow or somebody oh. will get their hands on uh, on this and put it back out. Yeah. 
there were a few of those Dimension Extreme films that were good. I mean, there was that Crocodile, I think it was called Rogue. People told me it was Rogue. Rogue and Feast. And there, there's oh, yeah, a, Feast was there's a lot of great films, yeah, but I, like um, I think toward the end, they, they just started hurting their films more than, uh, like, they they just didn't care. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for watching Black Sheep, guys. Yeah, I would recommend. Yeah, I'd recommend this <laughs> to pretty much anybody. Too. Yeah, serious fans or casual. I think this would be a uh, the old place I used to work at. Uh, our little R.I.P. Hastings. Uh, we used to have movie night, like, and and we would look for movies like Black Sheep. Yeah. Uh, where it's just everyone can like, kind of. You don't have to be totally serious and and, and drinking, and it's fun. So, uh, this would have been a good movie uh, for one of those nights. So. Okay, moving right along. What's Good it next? To something a little bit more fun. Event Horizon. Oh, lap a minute. <laughs> uh, Event Horizon 1997, directed by uh, Paul W.S. Anderson, also known for uh, Mortal Kombat. And there will be blood. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. Boogie Nights. <laughs> yes. Uh, I was thinking more Alien versus Predator and yeah. a little bit more lowbrow. Uh, writers Philip Eisner, which if you look at things he wrote, it's weird that he did Event Horizon and crap. Uh, cast uh, Lawrence Fishburne, Sam Neill, Kathleen Quinlan, Jolie Richardson, uh, Richard T. Jones, Jack Noseworthy, Jason Isaacs, who, by the way, I kept watching the movie like, where the fuck is this guy from? Oh, Harry Potter, because it's Malfoy's dad. Uh, and uh, Sean Pertwee from uh, Gotham. He's also the main bad guy in The Patriot. Or that shitty movie, but whatever. <laughs> Hateful. <laughs> so mean. Uh, well, I'll just jump right in. This is, my sugar's uh, dropped, and I, I need something to eat. We gotta feed him. We gotta feed him. Shelby, drink your juice. <laughs> um, I, I will, mama. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is my second or third viewing. Um... This is a film that I everybody had talked about that I had never seen. It's probably oh, you didn't it. watch it back in the nineties. What, what was the first okay. viewing? Two or three years ago. Wow. Cool. <laughs> um, How many times have you seen Black Sheep? <laughs> uh, you keep jamming me up like this, buddy. Just keep doing it. Um, 16 or 17 more times. <laughs> what's that? How many times have you seen the uh, What's the Wonderful World of White People? What is it? <laughs> the Wild and Wonderful Whites of West Virginia. Thank you, Vincent, for coming to my defense. Um, Were you defending so, him? Uh, on that one, I will. Um, yeah, like I said, it's my second or third viewing. The first viewing was three or four years ago. Some friends came over to show it to Carrie and I, because neither of us had seen it. And... Um, I'd heard people talk about this, and I was like, whatever, space whore, dumb. <laughs> and, um, man, the first time I saw it, I was blown away. Blown away. Um, I think I get a little more critical of it as time goes on, but I still think it's a phenomenal movie. Cool. Donnie? I, I saw this movie uh, opening weekend, and I'm going to be honest. Uh, I went and saw it with a, a friend. I think we had just graduated high school because we, we graduated in 97, so the film came out in 97. I remember we went and saw The Late Show. Um, it's really weird. I like a lot of sci-fi movies, but I don't, I don't break the door down for sci-fi. And this movie was not what I expected it to be. Um, we actually left the film. Um, we went to uh, Sunshine when they were open uh, 24 hours back then to talk about what we had just saw, and neither one of us were ready to go home. Um, I was actually scared shitless. 
because I was expecting uh, maybe a goofy alien or the spaceship's taken over. I did not expect what this movie's really about, and it disturbed me so much that I was uh, I was actually pretty scared when I left the film. Vinny? This is my first time viewing. What? I had been... Now, I, I unlike you, I am a big sci-fi fan. Can't tell. Those big sci-fi mo- fan. Planet of the Monkeys? Apes, <laughs> <laughs> motherfucker, 12 ribs like us. Anyway... Uh, <laughs> So it's the first time I watched it. I am not going to probably put it as high up as you guys seem to. Not that I didn't enjoy it, because I did. I think that it had been oversold to me over the Mm, years. That's fair. And as a result, I didn't find it didn't live up to what I had been what I felt like people had told me it was. That's not to say that it's a bad movie. I don't think that it's a bad movie. Um, I don't know. I hate how, it. I don't know how deep we want to go in right now. You want to go ahead and do your end, and then we'll just kind of talk as we go on. To what you're to what you're saying though, and what I just said, I can kind of see where you feel that way because let's be honest, this isn't a sci-fi movie. It's a horror movie. Well, and I like, but the thing is, I like both genres. Yeah. The I found it to be a little derivative of other sci-fi movies with a horror tone to it. It definitely had an alien feel to me. It definitely had a 2001 A Space Odyssey feel to me, where Sam Neill's character starts to feel to me like uh, Bilbo Baggins in <laughs> Alien and, um, and Hal. In I didn't realize there would be something we could tie in with these two movies back to back, Bilbo Baggins. Anyways, go ahead. <laughs> but, but I enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. I just don't think it made as big of an impact on me. I think mostly because it had been built up to be so something just epic to me. I would recommend watching. Which it, which that's just my which opinion. Space Odyssey was better, Leprechaun in Space or Event Horizon? <laughs> That's a tough one, <laughs> Professor. So this is one of the ultimate caught-off-guard experiences in my entire history of watching movies. Um, I got this off pay-per-view back in the 90s and taped it like you always did. Well, that cost $19.99? Yeah, so I, <laughs> I remember it was $3.99 a movie. I remember getting permission to order it, taped it. I watched this over and over. It floored me because it was not sold as what it ended up being. It's not. And oh, so I back then loved horror movies i always have but i also really enjoyed sci-fi specifically in the 90s i loved stargate and so i was just on this kick with these films and so when i got that i thought i was getting maybe some thriller elements to it but this was something else and it completely i mean it, it just slaughtered me like i did not see it coming this was like putting clive barker into space, yeah. who I also I can agree liked. with that, yeah. And so it was like this this marriage of things I enjoyed, but nobody had told me that was going to happen. Right. And so it was a really neat experience to watch it. I also think, and the reason I picked it, even my experience aside, I think this is one of the best horror films of the 90s. Um, and I think, you know, more than anything, that that's why I wanted to put it on here and talk about it, because... I've noticed it's gotten some legs. It's developed a following over the years. This movie bombed when it came out. Oh, yeah. I, it didn't even come close to getting its money back. But on home video, it started to 
to get you know steam there when people had kind of this almost dangerous factor to it because everybody talked about it I was like holy shit I thought I was gonna watch this like you know uh, some computer effects in a sci-fi movie and it ends up being pretty insane um but anyways that's why I picked it I just think it's such an important film for that decade which yeah. really doesn't have a lot of movies that I would consider classics I could probably pick up five movies for the decade that sure. I think belong in that department and this is one of them yeah and so i'm sure a lot of listeners have seen this by now or heard of it at minimum but in the event that even if we had a thousand downloads on this episode if one person has never heard of this movie then it's worth covering and so that's Which, the main reason i picked this. if you've never seen this you should st th this is definitely one i would say stop listening watch the movie and return because if you don't know what this movie's about, to me, that's the biggest thing of the film is like, oh, um, we're going out to space to rescue some people. And then you're like, what the fuck is this about? Yeah. Um, to me, that's the biggest selling point. And that's to me where it, I'm going to be. There's not a lot of movies that do it. But this movie mind fucked me. Yeah, it's it's completely. Uh, and they had the balls to not try and oversell it and dumb it down. They came out, it bombed, but they kept the integrity of it. And I think that's why 20 years later. You know, mm -hmm. people are praising it. Yeah. It's, it's getting well, celebrated. I will say, uh, so Paramount has admitted that they undersold. So Event Horizon wasn't even supposed to come out when it did. Uh, Titanic was the big summer yeah. release of 97 from Paramount, and they pushed it back because critics were like, this movie's going to tank, which, you know, because critics are right. Uh, so Titanic was pushed to December. They needed some kind of like uh, some slot for summer. So they threw Event Horizon in, and I think, unfortunately, I think Event Horizon did okay. It definitely bombed, considering what they put in the film. But '97, a couple months later, Scream came out and it buried it. Yeah. Uh, but I definitely like. I've never heard anybody really slam like like even if you're just like, it's not my cup of tea. Like everybody still likes the films for some reason, um, and I, d I definitely think it has a bigger base now, which is probably why they're uh, now making a TV show of it. Yeah, which is exciting. Which is a weird with coincidence it. with yeah. the podcast. Because that was announced after I After you this. picked it, yeah. yeah. Well, that, and um, it's funny that you, because when I do watch it, I definitely feel Hellraiser vibes. Uh, so yeah. I wasn't expecting Hellraiser. Even down to some of the quotes. Yeah, so um, I did not know it, but uh, not only was they admitted that Clyde Barker is a huge influence on the film, but Clyde Barker actually like uh, consulted oh, on wow. early parts of this movie. Um, because they went to him and were like, man, we were definitely heavily influenced. Um, <laughs> I, I think, uh, Hellraiser four actually came out before event horizon, but could you imagine if this was Hellraiser four instead of bloodline where it, the Hellraiser in space, uh, yeah. man, if pinhead would have been in this movie, like Hellraiser probably wouldn't have went straight to video for the next film. <laughs> That's true. Right. All right, I'll go through a, just a, a quick rundown of, of the idea of the film. It's a sci-fi film, so I really don't want to go into all the details because it's not going to be interesting to listen to. Yeah. Uh, but the general idea is we're in the year, is it uh, 2047, yeah. I think? Yeah. Um, and we are on a with a rescue crew uh, running on the Lewis and Clark, and they are headed out, accompanied by uh, Dr. Weir, uh, to find the lost ship the event is like a famously lost yes ship. it's been lost for uh, is it seven, seven years? years yeah and so it's it's got this very classic style to that story 
idea of sending out, you've got the veteran out with the, the crew who's here to try and help save the day and we venture out. We've seen this done on land and yeah. water, I mean, through cinema over the years. And so it's a very classic idea that I think kind of instantly gets you just into the story because you're used to it. It's just in a different setting. And I know you're being brief, but the audience should know that at this point it says that uh, Mars was colonized in 2015 and then they were mining Mars in 2032. And so now yeah. we're 15 years later. Yep. And so that's just important context. So we've been doing Certainly. space shit. This and I'm glad you mentioned that yeah. too, because it's kind of hard to explain, but that's a perfect segue into it because uh, what the event horizon, uh, the big thing for it was it had this gravity device that basically would close in a gap of a massive length of astronomical space. Time and space. Yeah. And so it basically folds it. And so you can travel quickly this insane distance. So our setting with where we were going out with this rescue crew is out around, I think, the eighth planet where we're out looking for this. Um, and so we eventually, and pretty quickly into the story, we don't drag it out, uh, we, we find it. And we've got uh, the cries coming in. It sounds like they're hearing uh, the, the, is it in Latin? Uh, yeah, for, like a distress call. Right. And so um, basically we, we, we find the event horizon. And I do just want to clarify how great things have held up visually for this film. Oh, I will yeah. agree with that. Oh, yeah. You can go back to movies from that era, the 80s, and even 10 years after that looks so bad. Mm-hmm. This doesn't. No, it doesn't. Especially heavy, Still looks heavy, good. heavy CGI. There isn't. This movie e- looks really good. Even yeah. ones that look good, there's usually a moment where you go, "What about that, though?" This right. thing is doesn't have that. It looks good throughout, yeah. which helps uh, kind of keep you in the mood for what they're cooking up, mm-hmm. uh, because you're not distracted by goofiness. So we do find the event horizon, um, and at this point, we've been writing with Doctor Rear, who is explaining why he wants to find it, what they were uh, setting out to accomplish with this gravity device. Um, and we hook onto it and immediately we start getting into, um, things coming unraveled. We've got, uh, the doctor kind of, um, we quickly realize this, this isn't noble efforts. This is about a man wanting something and something that, that is his and uh, greed and, and kind of the human elements take over there. But initially we um, really get a feel for what we're headed into when we do connect to the event horizon and we board it with the people exploring it. And it looks like absolute slaughter has occurred. Oh yeah. I mean, the bodies are just, there's just shit all over the walls. Um, And so I don't know how thorough we want to get on, on the beats on this, but basically uh, our gravity device, I'm just skipping way ahead so that it's easier to understand. It's It's basically opened up a portal. We, we, we've opened up a portal to another world. Hell, take your pick. Hail. Hail. And so, uh, in your, your classic tropes with the, the mad scientist, the crazy doctor, uh, we're continually grows more and more, uh, insane and you realize that he, this isn't about saving shit other than his creation. Yeah. And he's he'll kill whatever he needs to. We have them trying uh, uh, to go through their motions, and he blows up their rescue ship. We are now trapped on the stranded ship. Um, and you're in there with absolute terror. We evolve into him plucking out his eyes, 
because we're not going to need eyes where we're going. He's got them sewn shut. And this, more than any horror movie I think I've ever watched, does the best job of rapid imagery that is terrifying. They don't dwell on things, and so you'll have glimpses. And we start to play on people's pasts and their fears and regrets. And their loved ones. <laughs> right, and so some of the elements like that made The Exorcist scary, for instance, that's tapping into that. We're using those same kind of concepts there to deal with painful pasts or, or things that you know just people regret and they're terrified of. Yep. And, it, and we one by one, kind of in slasher style, but not in a slasher way at all, we're kind of dwindling the group down. And so um, we get into just absolute insanity as more and more people have lost their battle. Uh, the one guy I want to mention has seen the vision. He's the first one to see it and immediately is trying to kill himself. And he's even telling them when they're pleading with him, he's in an air vacuum between the doors because they have to decompress for their safety. And he's telling them, if you'd seen what I'd seen, you wouldn't blame me. And so you watched this pretty painful situation yeah. but really well done because you have uh fishburn is outside and gets word that he's activated the door getting ready to open to send him out just into space it's gonna yeah. destroy him and so you have this very effective sequence where uh we're going back and forth between watching the group trying to to plead with the guy and knowing what's coming and fishburn trying to move himself through space on the racking and and parts of the ship to get to him in time and you watch his veins swelling up, popping in his eyes, and blood coming out. It's gnarly. It's yeah. It's and then when Larry so Fishburne well. leaps to grab him, he goes, "Ooh, wee, pee wee." <laughs> it's my favorite part. <laughs> um, but uh, do we want to get right to the finish? Yeah. Uh, basically, Fishburne. After his uh, wee uh, moment, I <laughs> yeah, can't uh, even shove the blue pill into his mouth. As, as we've got more and more desperate, we're down to just a few survivors. I think three to be exact. Oh, and by the way, that guy doctor. survives that he that he saves from that, but is in awful condition. Yeah, like it's not worth having saved him. Yeah, they put him in was it state cryo cryo sleep or however you want to put on Michael Bublé's home and just <laughs> said, "Buddy, go for the best." Um, so we've got, I think we're down to three survivors, including the captain, Larry Fishburne, Lawrence Fishburne. And, uh, he decides that he is going to blow the ship in half and try and use his half as a lifeboat. Uh, that doesn't go well. He ends up sacrificing himself, uh, to save the other two. Yeah. And so we have those two go off. They put themselves into the cryogenic stasis, stasis, whatever. And, uh, they awake to the doctor. They haven't gotten away, but then they have because it's actually a nightmare. <laughs> and those Got two are rescued. So, um, can't recommend it enough yeah. to, to serious or casual fans. I like when they're trying to interpret the Latin, and they're like, "Oh, oh yeah, what they initially think it is versus what it actually is." May, and they're like, "Oh, it saved me." And then he goes on. He's like, "I did some digging, and it doesn't say save me. It says." Save yourself from hell. Yeah. And I'm like, turn the ship yeah. around. Time to go home, dog. <laughs> I think definitely there is a shortage of horror in the 1990s, especially any that's Good. worth watching. And I would say definitely check out Event Horizon, especially if you're looking for something from that era, because it's slim pickings, and I think it's probably among the best that was created in that time. Yeah. 
I think something that we uh, we scaled over that that to me makes the movie is as you t- touched a little bit of, of the loved ones, but everybody starts having visions of like L- Lawrence Fishburne uh, at some point, uh, somebody um, that he was either over or under or whatever uh, burned in a fire. Yeah, so you keep seeing the, the fireman and um, the the one doctor keep seeing her child, which then a lot uh, some of the characters actually die to like the things they're seeing. Uh, Sam Neill's character, his wife had had killed herself, and he keeps That's trying brutal, to to get her brutal, to not brutal, kill herself. Yeah. And then to me, like uh, when they're trying to unscramble the the captain's log, and they do, and it shows like body parts going into mouths and things coming out, and it's just like this thing from hell. Like uh, a lot of uh, creepy visuals, but um, it's really sad. I don't know where they where they they keep going back and forth, but there is a. a the original cut is, is 130 minutes. Um, they made him cut it down. Uh, the first that when they originally uh, screened it, audience members were like, "Uh, uh it was rated NC-17." Mm. Um, I know the last few years they've actually like went out to try to like rebuild the director's cut, but then they keep saying too that a lot of stuff is either lost or uh, or it doesn't look good. Um, I think some of like I will say like some of the briefness kind of makes the movie. Yeah, I agree. But I'm like at the same time there like I know one of the extended scenes is the is the video you see. Um, so I'm definitely interested in seeing it, but the briefness and uh, there there's a lot of movie uh, a lot of the movies left to your imagination uh, and not explained, and I think that's what makes the movie. But at the same time, I love the movie so much that a director's cut would be pretty cool to to check out. But. Uh, this is definitely one that I think is fun to watch, especially if someone's never seen it. And uh, a lot of times you throw in a movie that people think are sci-fi, space horror. They're like, okay, I know where it's going. Unless someone tells you, I don't think you know where this movie's going until they tell you. Yeah. I, I really, and uh, I think uh, Jack knows where these character, when he gets sucked in and he comes out, that's the first even mention of like hell. And then you're kind of like, well, wait a minute, what's going on here? Because I feel like uh, when I originally saw it, it was marketed as like almost like a like a haunted spaceship. Mm, yeah. Or the spaceship has come to life. Going oh. straight to hell. <laughs> and I yeah, I just I love that it never feels lacking in any direction. No. It's epic, but it you have cabin fever. But mm-hmm. we don't spend only time in cheap sets. We yeah. have big sweeping shots and impressive yeah. visuals. Um yeah, it's just it's a really well balanced film. The moment I realized that it may have been influenced by Clive Barker is when he's having this the sequence with his his dead wife and he looks up and she has no eyes and she says, I have such wonderful sights to show you. Yeah. I'm like, sounds pretty hellraisery. Yeah. So almost verbatim. <laughs> uh, almost exactly. Right. So um I highly recommend this film. Awesome. No, I'd recommend it for sure. I concur. Thank you. All right. No, thank you for choosing this one. All right. Round and third and head and home. We have our last pick, which is... Blackula. (laughs) (laughs) Or The Girl with All the Gifts, uh, 2016, directed by Colm McCarthy, written by Mike Carey, and cast as uh, Senia Nahu. Sorry to butcher her name because she's probably going to be an up and coming actress. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm going to butcher a lot of names, so let's just say the people we know, which is Patty uh, Patty Kunstun 
and Glenn Close, um, which Mitch, he he was Mitch great. He was yeah. great. Glenn Close was great. I think it's pronounced the girl with all the gifs. <laughs> sorry. Um, I'm so sorry. I'm This is uh, based off the book by uh, same name by M. R. Carey or Mariah Carey, if you will. <laughs> and I chose this one. And I chose it. Why did you choose? Uh, I was watching a documentary on Shutter. I believe you watched the same one. What was that? What was the title? I can't remember. Horror Noir. That is the one. Did you watch it, Professor? No, no, I'm Shutter. Yeah. And as I'm watching it, I'm gonna get it for Creep Show. You guys call me cheap. It's five bucks a month. (laughs) Yeah, but I own a bunch of movies. I don't need it. (laughs) Yeah, we're canceling it. There's no way we own everything that's good on there. Anyways, but these documentaries are good. Sorry, go. The, The documentaries are good. So I'm watching this documentary and. This movie comes along, and I've not seen it. Horror Noir, for our listeners, is a documentary about um, African Americans in horror films yes. throughout history. And it's so good. Yeah. Can't recommend that. And so they start showing clips from this movie, uh, The Girl with All the Gifts. And they don't show you a lot. They don't give you a lot to go on. But it was enough that I was like, this is newer. Uh, not, a, not an American film. And it just inter- interested me enough that I thought, you know what? Why not choose it for the, for the show? So. That's how I came to that. Okay. Good times. Yeah. Professor, what do you, what do you think? Is- <laughs> oh, I was just I was trying to remember how you came to it, because I feel like we danced around a little bit on the way there, but uh, I didn't watch this movie because I watched the first movie that Vinny picked, and then he changed it, and I, did I didn't catch it. that. Uh, so you will hear me no longer. All right. Thank you for that. Um, this is my first time viewing. I also... Uh, First time hearing about this was from uh, Horror Noir, and I thought it sounded interesting, and Vinny picked it, and um, watched it and enjoyed it. Toddy? First time viewing, uh, I also watched the documentary, which is also a great doc, plus a lot of, uh, if you go to conventions, a lot of convention friends are featured in it. Um, I really didn't know a lot about this movie, and for some reason I kept dodging it. Um. I was actually pleasantly surprised at the film, and I'm glad I watched it. So I enjoyed it. Would you like to give us a brief synopsis, Vinny? I don't know if, if, how great I am at this. So you're clearly in a kind of a kind of post-apocalyptic reality. Absolutely, that uh, absolutely you're in a you're in a bunker, and there are these children being kept basically as prisoners. Uh, whenever they're moved from their cells, they are strapped to wheelchairs, like including their heads. Like yeah. they're they're afforded no movement, and they are under heavy guard. And there's clearly something more going on with them, and why they're being contained this way. They're gathered together for studies, uh, like a classroom during the day, and then return to their cells. They're regarded by their guards as vermin. Uh, and it's not until you find out later that more or less there has been an infection situation. And people, it's it's uh, kind of a 28 days later kind of thing. You got your fast moving infected. Yep. And Bitey. They're bitey. Yeah. And you find out that, you find out much later in the movie. So spoilers. Anybody, if you're wanting to watch this, turn it off now. Because we're going to start to get into a little bit of spoilers. So basically what it is, is these, it turns out to be a a sort of infection. And 
these were children that were in utero when their parents were infected. And so they were born, they're still rational, unlike the infected people, and they're basically being kept to study them. Yeah. And most of them ate their way out of their mothers. Yes. Yes. So, I don't know. I don't want to go much deeper because I don't want to spoil a lot since this is a newer film. I think that sums it up, to be honest. That's, yeah, that's basically I would say it. the only thing I would add is, uh, like any any film like this, there's uh, they can't contain the uh, the whatever uh, I think they call them eaters in this film. They can't contain them. It takes over the base. Um, and the the as uh, her name or what was her name? Candy. I can't. I, can't, I, can't, I didn't watch it. I'm just guessing. <laughs> I can't think of the good little girl's name, okay. but uh, <laughs> so the the little girl has definitely bonded with her teacher, and her teacher has bonded with her. So much that an early scene, uh, she touches her head, uh, and then the guy proves a point. I kind of thought maybe they were vampires at first, to be honest. Yeah, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, but uh, they, they actually wear like almost like a sunblock, uh, the humans do, to keep from giving their scent. scent. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyways, uh, the, Glenn Close is a doctor, and she's uh, wanting to, basically, uh, she feels that these children could be like the, the cure, but unfortunately, you have to kill them to, to get... Yeah. To study them. Uh, during all this, there's a zombie attack on the base, and they all, uh, the few survivors go with the girl, and they're, uh, they're like on the lamb in uh, the streets of London. So, yeah, so the main girl, the teacher, the main guard, and this doctor are the ones Which who is, are, Well, there's a couple more with them, but they drop off pretty yeah. quick. So it's just those main Well, people. I do want to make a point, because I don't know how many times I was like, God damn you, Karen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I think there's a lot of, uh, especially for zombie films, I'm going to say, I still, uh, I feel like this and Train to uh, Busan are the two best zombie movies that I've seen in a long time because uh, it kind of does, it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of influence here and I'm not saying it's the most original, but yet there's a lot of original things they did with this film. I'll agree with that. Professor, I think you would really like it. It's in a similar vein of 28 Days Later. Cool. So I think there's a lot of uh, crossovers. I, I like That's that. what I meant to watch prior to even this being picked. So I look forward to it. I like that there's scenes where they go into a heavy populated area, but like the zombies like have a weird sleep state mm -hmm. where they're just, they, st they sleep standing and they're having to walk through like all these zombies. Yeah. That, that definitely them. raised the tension. Um, oh, yeah. And then I think something we haven't mentioned too, is the children because they're part, they're part zombie, part human. The zombies don't bother them. Yep. Um, they don't put out the same. Smell. So, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of cool things with this film, um, and as we're going to get into, and why it was really featured in horror noir was some of the uh, social messages that, that came yeah. along with yeah. this. So before we launch into that, which is super spoiler territory, um, I love when they find the feral kids. So like the kids that were <laughs> locked up were only the kids that they had found mm -hmm. that were in utero when the, the infection happened. And so now they have found this band of feral children. The, yes. The Nell children. <laughs> Chicka pie. I, mean, I love that you said Nell. My thought was they look like the, the family from that X-Files episode that keep their mom under the bed and then <laughs> rape her to have their brothers and sisters. They look like the family from uh, It's Always Sunny. <laughs> <laughs> yes, all the above. All the above. That's what these kids look like. And 
So, um, which will play into the ending. But, um, like I said, super spoilers. Get off now if you want to watch this movie. But um, the whole idea comes down to that the, the doctor finally decides that she's going to kill our girl with all the gifts in order to get the antidote. And the, the girl's kind of going along with it because she loves the teacher. And then she's like, you know what? No. And she says, why should we die for you? And I think that plays into even a lot more. Once everything starts going to shit, there's this quote where the, uh, the main military guy is dying and he looks and he sees this destruction and these pods are opening. The, the, this other part of the infection that was going on that was uh, affecting the plants. And everything was just done from his perspective. And he's like, it's over. It's all over. And she looks at him and says, it's not over. It's just not yours anymore. And I think that that's why this film is culturally important is that they're seeing this old way of life, this old world passing away, and they think that it's the end of the world. And this girl does the job of telling them, well, it's, it's not the end of the world. It's just the end of your reign, your world. Yeah. Right. And it's, and I think that's why it was so important and, and focused in horror noir is because this young girl is a person of color. Right. And so as we see these last vestiges of white supremacist, white supremacy in our world, really trying to hold on and acting out and lashing out. This film is a big cultural statement to say the world's not over just the world that you wanted and the way that you wanted to see the world is over. And I just thought that was pretty, pretty fucking brilliant. Well, and, and, and Glenn, so they, they refer to uh, the children too, as like uh, that they're just zombies. Like the, the viruses took up over their thinking completely. Um, and this is just a side to uh, trick you. And I think right before that too, uh, Glenn Close admits to her, like you're human. And at that point is when the girl is like, yeah, fuck you. Um, we're taking over. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause up to that point too, she was really making an effort to save everybody. Um, and then I, I will say a creepy thing that you touched on is like the, uh, the tower of, uh, so like, uh, the zombies evolve, like eventually they, they start growing plants and stuff out of them in a fungus. Yeah. And it's mentioned that if this was to so open, it could be the end of the world. Yes. Yeah, so it would become airborne instead of viral. Which fun fact, it's a real thing is, uh, the, uh, I'm trying to find my little note on it, but, uh, so real life fungus, the, um, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it cause I'm going to butcher it, but it's AKA the zombie fungus and they find it in carpenter ants. Oh yeah. But, uh, same way it takes over the ants. It makes them like uh, little zombies and eventually they become like this weird fungus. Um, so luckily it's only in carpenter ants for now. More like Borophil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go watch Blackula. I already did dummy. <laughs> Vinny, anything you want to say in closing? Uh, the only the only thing for me with this movie, and it was completely my own baggage that I brought into it. I had seen the clips in the documentary, and I had read a synopsis online of the movie, and I think that I expected a little more gifts. Mm. Um, not that it ruined the movie for me at all, but it was just an expect an, uh, an expectation that probably shouldn't have been there that I went in with. It should have been called the girl with a few gifts. Yes, the girl with. Mm, I can't. I can't. What it should have been called. 
<laughs> to, to add on to that, I kept thinking this girl's going to have like special powers. I expected a little more Stranger Things out of it, yeah. I think, from what I had read. And it didn't. It doesn't deliver there, so if that's what you're expecting, don't expect yeah. that. Sounds like you were upside down on that one. <laughs> God. God. Well, I just thought she would show up with like a Tickle Me Elmo and a Kirby. And like, you know, she had all the best. She had all gifts. the gifts, yeah. This bitch got a Super Nintendo. I, but no, all in all, I think this is a very, very, very good movie. Especially because it doesn't feel real tropey. Um, it, mostly because it's not made by American filmmakers. Uh, I highly recommend this movie. I, I love, too, that uh, they make her wear a little Hannibal Lecter mask. Yeah. Uh, because it's almost, that's another thing we didn't touch on. Because they show where the guy spits on his arm and wipes off the gel that they put on and holds it up to one of those kids strapped in a wheelchair. It's involuntary. Yeah. They start snapping at the air and like the the fungal side, the infected <laughs> side takes over. Yeah, well, that, also it. the scene where she's hungry and like she doesn't want to attack them. There, here goes a cat. And I'm like, oh God. Yeah. And then uh, like she uses the dog to get all the zombies to, to move away. She carries the dog in and throws it down to where all the zombies take off after it. Yeah. Good time. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a thinking person's film. It's not, um, it's not something you're going to want to put on like Saturday night after you've had about six strong beers. It's not a good follow-up to Black Sheep. <laughs> no, this is not a double feature <laughs> with Black Sheep. Um, it's a good movie. <laughs> I would recommend it. Um, but you got to be in the right state of mind to watch it. I'll agree with that. Yeah. So Sure. Definitely I thought, recommend I thought we were watching Candyman. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Monsieur Candy. So, uh, yeah. Girl with all the gifts. Well... Wrapping up another episode of The Monster Mash. We are the Midwest Monsters Podcast. I'm Grizzly Abner, and I've been hanging out with... Professor Wagstaff. Venomous Vinny. Hot Toddy. Stay scary. Heard you're looking for Candyman, bitch. <laughs>